0: Blog Talk Radio. Today we have a top prospect of the Phillies, Cole Irvin, joining our show. In his interview, he will tell us some of his favorite parts of being a professional baseball player and his hopes of someday donning the red pinstripes. Also, with the addition of veteran reliever David Robertson, the Phillies look to shore up the back end of the bullpen. Even though they missed out on some of the bigger names they originally targeted. With the stupid money comments looping over management, did John Middleton, owner of the Phillies, pin the Phillies in a deep hole in contract negotiations? Finally, who will be in the Phillies' 2019 19 back end of the bullpen? Or will they even have a solidified closing? All of these subjects and more, coming up on the second episode of Fan oh, Hold on, wait a minute. minute. Y'all
1: thought I was finished? Oh, when I bought
2: Hello and welcome to FanCast Today we will be having top Phillies prospect Cole Irvin join the show MLB.com ranked him as the number 10 overall prospect in the Phillies farm system And he was drafted in 2016 in the 5th round out of Oregon Isaac, how are you doing today?
0: Uh, I'm good. How are you, Coy? Uh, I'm excited I'm to talk to the top prospect, Cole Irvin.
2: I am great. It's very exciting to have him on today. A lot of Phillies activity this week, and we will get into all of it after Cole joins the show.
3: Isaac,
2: how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Coy?
3: I'm excited to
2: Prospect so Cole, will be joining us in a little bit. He's coming off a great season in 2018. He went 14-4 with a 2.57 ERA. He had a 161.1 innings pitch, 131 strikeouts. And joining us now is Philly prospect Cole Irvin. Cole, how are you?
3: I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. I'm excited.
2: I'm excited. Thank you for coming. We're very excited to see you uh, join the show. Um, you're our first guest on the show, so thank you for joining us.
3: Oh sweet. That's that's a huge honor.
2: Thanks guys. And we're very happy to have you. And so Cole, you're many of our listeners are big Phillies fans and prospect in their system is living out a lot of our listeners' dreams. So how does it feel to be a player in the Phillies organization?
3: Uh man, I mean uh there's no I mean I've only been with the one organization and um I mean just to be a part of the, the Philadelphia vibes um especially being as close as I am in in Triple A uh you know it's just an exciting time to be a Philly. and um you know the the coaching staff and um you know just everyone is just is really welcoming and really uh educated on on what Philadelphia is like so I mean to be able to play baseball for the organization um it's just a, it's just a lot of fun um you know brings a lot of excitement um you know day in and day out cuz uh it's 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 the Philly fan it's the Philly, uh city of Philadelphia you know and I'm a I'm a huge uh <laughs> I'm a huge american so I'm, pl- I'm proud to be uh part of the city of brotherly love for sure definitely uh, sounds like
1: personality fits with Philly all
3: right Sorry, well, that, another question
0: another question definitely- here <laughs> Yeah. what would you say what would you say the most exciting part of the day you were drafted and you know, hearing that call your name that the Phillies wanted you?
3: Right. Um, you know, the day I was drafted it was it was kind of uh, surreal. Uh you know, draft day, um and stuff. Uh wasn't sure if I was gonna go day one, um day two obviously, um was was the day for me uh, but uh it was the same weekend While all my family was in town it was the same weekend I was actually walking to get my degree at the University of Oregon um so you know it was just a it was a blessing in disguise I graduated with a degree in sociology uh and ended up getting the phone call to be drafted in the uh fifth round first pick uh to the fields and Man, uh, I should have went out and caught a marlin or bought a lottery ticket because I feel like the whole, you know, the wind was uh, with my sails and just it just kind of propelled me into the into the first short season that I had. Uh, and it, it, I was just excited to be able to play, um, just excited to go play. You know, it was just a fun time, and uh, you know, it was just an awesome weekend. And you know, my whole family and stuff got to experience it, and um, it was just a lot of fun. You
0: oh, you know that's that's great to hear uh you know as as a phillies fan we, we've been waiting for a left-handed starter for a while now if you if you followed us the past few years you know that adam morgan is now a reliever in our bullpen and you know we're anxiously awaiting your <laughs> your appearance here in the majors so how does that feel knowing that a, a fan base is it's got you got to feel some pressure but at the same time the excitement level is off the charts correct
3: yeah, the excitement level is obviously there, and 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 who doesn't keep track of you know how many right-handed pitchers we have in our rotation? And, uh, but I mean, here's the thing: is I've, I've followed I followed the Phillies since uh, you know the Cliff Lee, Cole Hamels, you know, Roy Halladay days. Um, you know that pitching staff uh, was kind of instrumental uh, going into high school for me. Um, I watched a lot of their games. You know, with them being so good. Uh, I paid attention, um, so you know Philadelphia for me is, is is kind of been a team that I've always paid attention to, and uh, you know I, I definitely knew that last year. Uh, you know Ranger getting the call up for being the first guy in like two hundred two hundred plus games. Uh, you know it was just it was just a you know it was a cool thing to see that Ranger was that guy to break that kind of streak, um, and Adam Morgan, uh, he's he's. One of the best guys in the clubhouse, and uh, at least from from you know meeting him and being interacting with him during spring training, uh, he was just an absolute blast to be around, and uh, you know he's just a he's just a solid gamer. But I mean, in terms of you know the pressures of, of being a left-handed starter, you're just another starter, um, left or right-handed. Your job is to go out there and get as many outs as possible, and and my job is to is is just to do. Uh, to extend myself in a game to get past the sixth, seventh inning um, and see that line up for the third time and um, and and put our team in position to win or at least keep our team in position to win. Um, you know, there's going to be games where you're going to give up runs and stuff. So I don't think the pressure uh, of pitching, you know, at the big league level being left-handed and not having a left-handed starter is really there for, for – for myself. Um, but I don't think it applies to maybe a guy like Ranger or a guy like Jojo Romero, or, um, I don't, I don't think the lefties feel that pressure because I think, again, the organization does a good job of saying, Hey, if you go out there and perform, it doesn't matter if you're left or right handed, you're going to, you're going to get that call. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be an exciting year. I'm, I'm looking forward to 2019. My favorite number is 19. So I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that this year is a year that, uh, you know, I get to see some big league innings. and uh, But I can't, I can't put the pressure on myself to just, uh, to just you know, not pitch. Uh, so, you know, I, I got to go out and, and perform like I did last year and focus start to start, pitch to pitch, and, uh, you know, and not, and not put that pressure on myself. Like last year, a lot of people asked, you know, what was the deal with my success? For me, it was having fun and, and understanding that I was probably spending the whole year in AAA and wasn't going to sniff the big leagues. Uh, and I'm going to apply the same thing that I did last year to this year and not put the pressure on myself to, to try to make it. Because I'm not making that decision, so why should I worry about it?
2: So you say the biggest key to your success is having fun. But it is, amongst a lot of fans, a well-known fact that the minor league season can be a bit of a drag. It's tough on travel, on the whole clubhouse. How do you deal with the possibility of getting that call up or on the flip side, even being sent down based on how you're performing at that time?
3: Hey, whatever, you know, the way I say it is, whatever the team needs to win um, that series or that week, um, you know, that's kind of how you got to deal with it. Yeah, you get sent down, you get. I I don't think, um, in terms of, you know, guys being in AAA or guys being in the big leagues, I don't think it's that much of a. A big deal. I'm sure it does apply a lot of pressure to some of the relievers uh, if they're not performing. Um, But I I think as a starter, either way, you're going to get your innings, you're going to get your starts, and you're going to be ready to go. And um, you know, picture, I picture, and this is how I treated last season. I treated last season as uh, as a spring training almost, an extended spring training uh, to be ready for the big leagues. And if if I struggle at the big leagues and I get sent down, rightfully so. Or a guy's performing better than me and I get sent down, so be it. Like that's just how baseball is supposed to be. And and if I'm not good enough yet, I got to accept it and, and and go learn my ways down in AAA and and hopefully come back and then do much better. Uh, you know, it's yeah. The season, every you know it doesn't matter what level you're at, the season's going to be a drag. You're going to have flights, you're going to have bus rides, you're going to have. Uh, nights where you spend a couple of hours a little bit more out, uh, you know, with teammates or, or uh, your spouse or whoever you might be spending time with. Um, you're going to make choices, and, and sometimes you got to live with your choices the next day, or sometimes you, you get an extra night's sleep and you're feeling good and ready. So, I mean, there's there's so many variables that go into a season that, you know, you can get into, uh but you know it's 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 a lot of fun, and I don't think there's there should feel any pressure or uh, or anything to be able to be sent up or go up or be sent down um and there's plenty of guys that do well at AAA that don't get called up and um for reasons that are 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 primarily business decisions, and I totally understand why why that is uh
0: cool hearing you talk about um, Adam Morgan earlier, you know, how, how he seemed to relieve pressure. Um, what are some other guys in the clubhouse? We're just interested who, you know, seem to lighten up. Who are the, who are the sparks in the clubhouse? Would you say?
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously Reese is, is a great teammate. Um, you know, and I, and I've had my, you know, fair share of interacting with, uh, you know, some of the guys in AAA A and some of the guys at big league camp last year. Um, you know, another guy that I really, really just was pulled for at the end of the season was uh, Zach Eflin. Uh, one of my favorite teammates. He's just a world-class guy and, um, you know, just really cares uh, about his, what he needs to do to get the job done and, and uh, put the team in position to win. Um, you know, he's just a great clubhouse guy too and, and, uh, and a gamer. Uh, Drew Anderson – uh, he's had a couple of relief and starts for the big league club. He's a fun. He's a great teammate. He's a lot of fun to be around. Um, you yeah, know, there's, there's. I don't think there really is a is a uh, cancer. Uh, this is what we called it back at when I was at Oregon. Uh, we called them cancers in the clubhouse. Um, and I don't, I don't feel that uh, Philly has that, um, or that Gabe Kapler's clubhouse has that. Um, and even in AAA, I, I didn't feel we had any cancers on the team, and um, I think everyone was pulling for each other, and, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to interact with a, such a great group of guys day in and day out. And, you know, they become your brothers, um, you know, through, through the dog days of summer, and, um, you know, there's days where we all, you know, we all hit it in our, in our jobs, and, you know, yeah, we're playing a game for fun, and it's like, how can you, you know, feel like you don't want to be there, but you know, sometimes we miss home and sometimes we miss, you know, our families and we don't spend much time with them. And uh, that's not a luxury that we get to, to have, uh, you know, every year. So, you know, when we do have those moments, those are special. So we might be a little later to the ballpark and it might rub a guy wrong. But it's all because, you know, we all have family and we all uh, want to feel connected to our to our home base. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the guys are – are really good guys, and I'm excited to get get to know, you know, Andrew McCutcheon or uh, who knows, we might get uh, Machado or Harper here. I don't know what might happen there. Uh, but I, I've heard nothing but good things from guys that have been their teammates, um, and I've heard nothing but good things about Segura and, uh, you know, a couple of the relievers that we got. I'm excited. This is going to be a really fun year for Philly fans. It's going to be a fun year for – uh, baseball fans in the NL East, so it's going to be a good
2: year. I mean, I'm I'm really excited to to see what happens. Well, I'm glad to hear you like Zach Eflin. He's one of my personal favorite guys we have up right now, and um, we're running out of time here. So one last question for you: uh, We all expect you to be at the major league level relatively soon. So when you do get up there, who would you rather be, Bryce Harper or Manny Machado? <laughs>
3: uh you know i would i would uh i would fair to say that either one of them are, if either one of them are my are my teammates i'm happy if either one of them are uh you know on another team i'm gonna be able to get them out <laughs> uh but you know until they're on my team you know it's it's uh until they're you know a teammate in in general uh you know they're you gotta treat them as if they're the opponent so we'll see what happens. Um, I'm excited for for whatever day comes. I'm really hoping that we do land with at least one of those guys, and uh, who knows, maybe we get another left-handed starter that I can maybe bounce some ideas off. Um, you know, I, that'd be really, I think that'd be beneficial to some of the left-handed starters, to be at Bigley Camp and be able to talk to another lefty, um, whereas, you know, you're dealing with talking to Adam Morgan about, you know, two years ago, how he started games and stuff, so um, things are a little different. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to any knowledge I can obtain, and I'm uh, looking forward to see if uh, the Phillies do spend some stupid money. All
2: right. Well, thank you for your time, Cole. It was great to have you on the show. Uh, take care, and we wish you the best of luck in 2019.
3: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I had a lot of fun.
2: Thanks, no problem, cool. Thanks. So when we get back, we are going to start breaking down the Daniel, David Robertson signing and the rest of the Phillies' offseason moves. But first, let's send you to a quick network advertisement. Hello, everyone. My name is Eamon, and I'm one of the hosts at Pinstripe Talk. On Tuesday, January 9th at 5 o'clock, we will be covering more of the crazy offseason for the Yankees. From Zach Britton re-signing and seeing what the rest of the bullpen goes now that David Robertson is gone, to also seeing where and if Machado or Harper come to New York, all this will be featured on this week's episode of Pinstripe Talk. All right, before we get into it, we're going to take our first caller on the show. Daniel from South Jersey wanted to join in. So, Daniel, thanks for calling in. You're live on FanCast.
4: Hello. uh, Thank you for having me on the show. It's glad to be here.
2: So, what did you want to call in and talk to us about today?
4: Well, I wanted to discuss the rather surprising news that Philly um, is actually going to fly out to Las Vegas to meet with uh, Bryce Harper this Saturday. Um in hopes that they can haul in the uh star outfielder um from his hometown honestly um I do think that it's a bit surprising that they're kind of just going out there and you know not really not really just going into it they're just kind of they're they're just kind of winging it you know um it's it's a bit of a concern uh for other teams. Because White Sox just signed John Jay, who is best friends with Manny Machado. There's just a whole bunch of stuff uh, circulating around. And um, I think it's interesting to note how um, how close every team is to signing Harper. You know, the Dodgers looked like they were going to sign him. Now they're kind of fading away. So now it's really down to the Phillies and White Sox. Um, so this meeting will be very important.
2: Well, it definitely does sound like there's a new favorite to sign him every single day from the Dodgers to now the Nationals are having conversations with him. Um, I definitely agree that it seems like the Phillies' chances of landing Machado are becoming less and less likely as the days go on. I think the White Sox have even now leaked to them, and they would have to spend a lot of money that I don't believe personally that Machado is worth. So I think going out, they're moving on to – Harper as the priority, despite some reports saying they're still in more Machado. And I think the ability to be able to meet with Harper and Scott, having the owner, general manager, and other members of the front office be able to personally discuss, hopefully an offer to Harper, it'll definitely bring us a lot closer to signing him and bringing him on board before spring training begins.
3: Definitely.
4: Um, I I honestly thought that Machado was going to be like the um like the fan favorite that every team would want sort of like Marwin Gonzalez like there was a report that came out a few months ago that every single team except for the Astros were actually interested in signing Marwin Gonzalez. I thought that would be the same thing for Machado. I thought every team would make a bid and I thought it would be like five or six teams at the very end um that were front runners, but now there's only a few. It's probably the Phillies um, or the White Sox, um, which it, I think it's even surprising that the White Sox are um, the front runners in the first place. This team had a 100-loss season. They were 29 games back in their division, and now they're trying to land one of the biggest superstars in baseball, while at the same time they have about an average payroll. I believe they're like either 15th or 20th uh, in the league and In payroll, I don't really think that they are going to make the um, the risky leap to sign one of them when um, there's no guarantee that with one measly player it's gonna you know turn their whole season around because the Indians have only gotten better and better, the Twins have gotten better and better. You have to look at you know the competition in the division and wonder will one superstar be able to turn this 100-loss team into a team that can win the division and, let alone that, succeed in the playoffs?
0: Well, you see, the the real goal for the White Sox in signing one of the two major free agents is obviously not to win right now. Uh, mm-hmm. If they were to sign Machado or Harper, the White Sox would have the ultimate goal of starting a team with a premier, premier player in either Machado or Harper. So they, their hopes are probably to I've heard that White Sox plan to compete around twenty twenty one, twenty twenty. So they're hoping mm-hmm. to ho- hopefully attract Machado at this point. They've they the White Sox have apparently fallen out on the Harper discussions. They've placed all their chips in on Machado um they signed John Jay, one of his best friends. Yonder Alonzo, his brother-in-law. So
4: yeah, I, I think so that's kind of like, obvious. I think it's kind of like evident now. The White Sox are literally signing direct relatives to Manny Machado and his best friends. They're obviously going for a more personal connection than a business or a um, or a financial connection to Machado.
0: Yep, Uh, it's been pretty interesting.
2: Well, Daniel, thanks for calling in. You're the first caller on our show, so we loved having you on. And take care.
4: Thank you. Have a good night.
2: So that was our first caller of the show. Feel free to call in at 845-277-9345 to talk anything Phillies related with us. And now we will be moving into the latest Phillies free agent signing, David Robertson. Robertson was a free agent relief pitcher that the Phillies just signed. He went eight and three in 2018 with a 3.23 ERA, a 1-0-3-3 WHIP. He was a great signing. He negotiated two years, 23 million with a couple options. So, Isaac, what's your initial reaction to this move?
0: Well, I was more than pleased with the signing of David Robertson, partially because he has just been so consistent over the past decade. I mean, between the Chicago White Sox and New York, New York Yankees, he's compiled a resume of just striking out both right-handed and left-handed hitting, which is something the Phillies desperately needed. They needed situational pitching, which they lacked over the course of the final two months of the season. So uh, signing Robertson to a two-year and $23 million deal, which is, I wouldn't say cheap, but not quite not quite as high as I was expecting for a reliever such as Robertson um, to sign, partially because he was his own agent. Um, I think it was a very, very quality signing by the Phillies. Um, he seemed to be pleased by the city. He said that the Phillies checked off all his boxes, so to say. Um, he said they have a great city. They they really cared. They want to compete. Um, they care about charity and things around the city. So, I think Robson could be a great guy at the clubhouse. Uh, what do you think, Corey? What do you think his personality is? It's really his veteran presence. We don't have any true veteran postseason experience on, on the roster
2: right now. Well, like you said, he does bring that veteran presence. He's been around for 11 years, um, playing time with both the Chicago White Sox and the New York Yankees, going back and forth there. He had some experience in the postseason, 288 career ERA, It's unsure what role they will use him in. As a closer, he has a 79.7% save percentage. Um, He isn't far removed from one of his best seasons back in 2017. He had a 184 ERA between the White Sox and time with the Yankees. So despite being in the league for a longer time, he still shows to be one of the more consistent and dependable guys, and he'll definitely add a solid piece to the bullpen, where he can be now paired up with Sir Anthony Dominguez, to share time as the closer, as at least right now, it doesn't seem like there's a bona fide closer to take care of everyday situations.
0: Yes, Coy. Cool. It seems that affiliates will continue to use the closer by matchup role. So they said that they will place David Robertson probably in the most high leverage situation of the game, whether that's a beginning in the seventh or one, one, one game in the eighth or even shutting the door, then I inning. I think David Robinson will be placed around, moved around in the bull, back end of the bullpen if the Phillies do not sign someone else, which looks pretty unlikely at this point.
2: Well, Gabe Kapler will definitely love that versatility, but like you said, it's looking unlikely that they will sign another bullpen arm. Zach Britton was just signed by the Yankees. Uh, it looks like the market will send him back to Boston. How do you feel about all these missed opportunities the Phillies have had? to help their pitching with guys like Kimbrell, Britton. They are reportedly heavy in on Andrew Miller, all guys that they've now let slip away.
0: Uh, to be quite honest, I'm pretty disappointed. Um, yes, like I said, I was pleased with the signing of David Robertson, but with the stupid money comments and just the true feeling inside all the fans that our bullpen had the capability of being just probably elite. Um, if our only signing of the free agent off the free agent market is David Robertson, I I wouldn't say I'm super confident in the back end of the bullpen. And I say that because when you think about all the successful bullpens, um, 99% of the time they have a lockdown closer or someone that, you know, can go into the ninth inning, not, not a versatile role player that you just mix and match, but, Someone that you insert in the ninth inning, you know, could go out there almost every night get the job done. But you know, I, I'm not totally sure if it'll work out. Hopefully, it does. David Robertson is a very, very reliable guy. So, I I just overall am disappointed on the whiffs of the off season so far.
2: How about you, Coy? They have definitely added a couple pieces to that bullpen with Robertson. Um, the trade of pieces they acquired from the Mariners uh they acquired um Jose Alvarez and Luis Garcia trade so they've made a couple minor moves to strengthen the bullpen but they haven't added that big name that many fans were hoping they would get and that many assumed that they would sign to lock down that bullpen after many of the stupid stupid money comments by John Milton himself we're going to head to a quick advertisement Feel free to call in at 845-277-9345. When we get back, we'll start breaking down all of the latest on Harper and Machado and questions sent to us from our listeners.
5: Hey, tune into the Amazing Mets podcast on Thursday at 7 p.m. We will be joined by two of the newest Mets additions, veteran pitcher Hector Santiago and third baseman J.D. Davis. We will be interviewing Santiago and Davis at the beginning of our show. We will also break down the Mets' latest trades, signings, and rumors, including the trades made for Keon Broxton, J.D. Davis, and the trade that sent Kevin Pulecki packing to the Cleveland Indians. Furthermore, we will be reviewing the signing of Hector Santiago, and we will review the Mets' current payroll situation specifically how it may restrain Brody from making many more additions to the Mets Major League roster. All that and more will be discussed by our hosts. We take calls and answer fans' questions throughout the show. If you are a Mets fan, or even a baseball fan, tune into the Amazing Mets podcast at 7 p.m. Thursday. Don't miss
0: it! Alright, so, welcome back to FanCast, and now we'll be taking... Luke from South Jersey who uh is wondering if Harper Machado was more likely.
6: because um, like Jim Salisbury and Tyler Zucki keep saying that um Manny Machado is the the favorite and that you know he's preferred and I just don't understand why they keep saying that because it's just all the things that the Phillies done, you know, they went out and traded for Gene Segura and you know they're interested in Mike Moustakis, and you know I, I just don't understand why they keep saying Machado is the priority. I mean it's pretty clear that Bryce Harper is the priority. I, I don't quite understand why they keep saying that Machado. What do you what do
3: you what do
0: you have to say about that? Well, I see where you're coming from with uh, certainly wanting Harper to be a priority, but at this point it, yeah. it does look like Jim Salisbury, who who has taken the lead in reporting for the Phillies. It looks like Machado has been the priority for the Phillies. Not to say that Harper isn't on their radar, as he quite honestly uh-huh. is. Um, yeah. I, I'd say, I'd say uh, Machado is definitely a priority at this point, since his market is heated up and he's expected to make a decision soon. Um, uh uh-huh. But as I as I said, he's meeting in Las Vegas, and if the Phillies yeah. offer him the deal. They're expected to offer with their "quote unquote" stupid money. Um, yeah, I, I do. I I expect Harper to sign with the Phillies because I, I still see Manny Machado heading to the New York Yankees, even though there's been a couple smoke screens with the Chicago White Sox and whatnot. Uh. uh um. What, why do you um? Do you think that the Phillies will sign uh, Bryce Harper on Saturday? Do you think it's going to happen a couple of days later?
2: Um, I don't think that a signing will happen as early as Saturday. It's um, undetermined right now if an offer will be even made at that time. I think Scott Boris is known to make sure to get every penny that he can get. I think we are still several weeks away from a Harper signing with whoever that team may be, and it's a good move for the Phillies that they will have a direct conversation with him, but I wouldn't expect any signing to happen in the next two or three weeks.
0: Uh, Okay. Uh Okay. Um, and then one last question. Um, do,
6: you, do you think that the Phillies are serious
0: and powerful? Um. Yes. Um, it is sort of a complicated question when you think about it because the Phillies went into the offseason with the, most of the industry thinking that they could sign both Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. So it's hard to see who their focus is truly on and who they know they can sign, who they know most likely isn't going to sign with them. So, you mm-hmm. say that their priority is Bryce Harper, it's, uh-huh. it's quite hard to tell at the moment. I'd say their priority is definitely on Manny Machado right now. Now, if you see his market start heading towards New York or Chicago, I can definitely see Matt Klentak and John Middleton putting, pushing all his chips in on the Bryce Harper sweepstakes.
6: Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I think that all the move the White sox have done and the Yankees, I think that they're just I don't know about the Yankees, but I think the White sox just really really want him more than Bryce Harper um you know they went out and traded for Yonder Alonso. they just signed John Jay he was a really good friend so i so i to to want just to finish it off, do you think that Bryce Harper's more likely than Manny machado um
2: I absolutely do. I think that Machado, despite some rumors that New York is starting Pull out a little bit on Machado. I think it might be more of a leverage move. Manny Uh desperately want to go there, and the White Sox Uh like they are more invested into Machado pulling out Mm -hmm. on the Harper sweepstakes. So I think if one of them does sign, which it seems like there's a bigger risk each day that it will be neither. I think Harper is the more likely option and the one that I hope and believe will happen.
6: Uh huh. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you guys. Thanks, Luke, for calling in. Um, We enjoyed having you on. Take care. But there is a lot of movement in the Harper and Machado area. It was reported this week that the Phillies will be moving out, sending out to Las Vegas to meet with him in Harper's hometown. They are going to discuss, it's unsure, but they will meet with Boris and Harper. What was your initial reaction to seeing the report that the Phillies would have a meeting with Harper?
0: Um, I was very excited. Um, yes, we expected them to meet with Bryce Harper sometime over the off season. Uh, we heard that he had not been present at face to face meetings when the Phillies met with Scott Boris during the winter meetings. So whenever you hear that things are taking a step in the right direction, such as a face to face meeting in his hometown, I, I think you have to start being excited. Um, I'm not saying it's a guarantee that Bryce Harper is going to play in Philadelphia next year, but it's certainly heading in that direction as of now. The Nationals have also made headlines the past week as themselves wanting to become a frontrunner once again. As Jim Bowden reported, that they they offered a more than $300 million contract, much more than their previous offer at the start of the offseason.
2: So for all Phillies fans, that news that they wouldn't meet with Harper definitely has to be exciting. And it's also more of a relief because all the news with Harper going back to Washington had just come out. And if he did, of all teams, went back to Nash- the Nationals, that would be the biggest failure for the Phillies. They have already let the Nationals outbid them for pitcher Patrick Corbin early on this year. If they lose out on another marquee-free agent, and let him get back inside this division as a rival rather than a player, it'll be a big loss for the organization and will set them back from contention, having to deal with now a team that has added an elite pitcher and a superstar player rather than adding either one of those two. And that'll be a big red flag on Matt Clentak after this offseason's wrapped up.
0: It would be a true gut punch if we show up empty-handed without Machado and Harper Especially if Harper returns to the Nationals, where no one expected him to go after he turned down a monster extension from them. Um, every swing he, he would take would be a gut punch to fill fans. I'm just saying. Um, I really hope that it doesn't happen that we whiff on both of these major free agents. But if it does, it's not going to be a pleasant rest of the offseason for Matt Klintak. Um, we're going to take our next caller Um, Barry from California wanting to talk Bryce Harper
2: yeah I think that we should
4: sign Bryce Harper I think that the best additions would be Chase Utley Ryan Howard and Charlie Manuel
0: Um, we seem to be having some technical difficulties but um, regarding Charlie Manuel and Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, some great players in the past decade, um, regarding them, they're going to have some great, uh, game opportunities to see some games this upcoming season. Um, Ryan Howard will be having a retired ceremony, Chase Sutley will be having a retirement ceremony, and Jimmy Rollins will be having a retirement ceremony, so... I'd expect to see a lot, a lot of promotion for those games, and we'll get to see those guys for a final time at a Philly ceremony. So, as you said, that that would be could be quite exciting to see those guys back in Philly.
2: All right, and then there was also a lot of noise surrounding Machado that the White Sox were pulling it. Ahead trying to make a big move for him. The Yankees seeming to be a little less willing to offer a $200 million contract. And then it was reported that Phillies were going to make a second offer Machado. How do you feel about that information?
0: Um, to be quite honest, I'm not surprised. As I said earlier, I think Machado is the priority right now with his visit. And Jim Salisbury is reporting over the past couple of months, how Machado is continuing to be a priority for whatever reason. Um, I think a second offer is expected, and I expect it to be above $250 million. Coming into the offseason, it wouldn't have sound, sounded as much as you'd expect them to offer to Mary Machado, but because of his market and how it's dwindled a bit, uh, I'd
2: expect somewhere around the two hundred and million range. I personally am hoping that they let Machado go pass on and go to either the White Sox or the Yankees and put all their chips in on Harper. But now we're going to start taking a few of our mailbag questions, so we're going to bring our producer Benson in to send his questions. All
1: right, the first question is from Ty. What does the Phillies rotation look like heading into 2019 if they acquire Bumgarner?
2: Well, I personally – Don't think that adding Bumgarner is a likely thing to happen. It's something I wish would be realistic. But at the time, the most movement recently sounds like if a trade will happen, it will send Bumgarner to the Milwaukee Brewers. I think that is a little bit of just smoke. I think Bumgarner will be traded, but it won't be until June or July if the Giants are out of contention.
0: Agreed. Uh, Bumgarner is a Bay Area legend. If you remember from 2010 to 2014, those years, he served as a starter, reliever, whatever you want to call it. He was a hero for the Giants in the postseason. So I wouldn't expect them to trade him until they have to, just as the Phillies traded Cole Hamels the trade deadline a couple of years ago to the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we're off to our next question the mailbag. Uh, this
1: is the last question. It's from Dylan. Who has the edge on Keuchel?
2: Well, it's... The Keiko market is moving very slowly, similar to last season with Jake Arrieta, who the Phillies did sign. The Phillies have had dialogue with Dallas Keuchel, but it appears they're not willing to meet some of his demands. The Reds were heavy in on him at one point. It's unsure what their status is. The Braves were another team interested so there's a lot of teams that seem interested in acquiring him, but not at his current asking price. So It seems it'll come down to who will break first. Either he will lower his needs, or one team is willing to go out, reach to a certain number, and sign him.
0: Uh, Yes. Uh, I see, as I said before, the Reds. I think the Reds would meet a five-year deal for Keiko, since that seems to be his main demand. Um, I, I don't see the Phillies ending up with Keuchel, even though he would be a solid, solid addition to the starting rotation. I see someone like the Reds, as I said, maybe even, you heard it here first, the Mets signing
2: Dallas Keuchel to a, to a deal.
0: Exactly. All right. oh, that would be
2: tough to face DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Keuchel in the same division where we're already having to face uh, Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg. We we'll definitely need to add one of these bats. if We hope to contend facing those sets of rotations. Yes, just
0: to back up my point there, um, I believe the Will Ponds and Brody Van Wagen still have a bit of money to spend. As, and As the market dwindles, I believe the Phillies will lose interest. Certain teams will have already shored up their starting rotation. Um, so it'll probably be down to a, a betting war, and I don't see a New York team
2: losing out. Well, before we wrap up, we're going to go back out to Luke, who wanted to add one more piece to the show before we close. Uh,
6: hello again. Um, I just wanted to say this. I thought this was really interesting. I, I don't understand why the Nationals – I mean, obviously Bryce Harper's a elite talent, but I don't understand why they're trying to make a big push to get him back. I mean, he already turned down $300 million, and uh, they have to re-sign Anthony Rendon. Uh, next season who's a elite third baseman uh and uh you know they should be really worried about trying to keep lock him up and they also have juan Soto and you know all these guys who eventually are just gonna you know they're gonna have to get you 're gonna have to keep them and they are they already have to um have to pay um uh, max Scherzer, um Stroudsburg and Corbin all this whole load of money so like I, if I were a Nats fan, like, I'd be really concerned about the payroll situation that they re Bryce
2: Harper. It was definitely you... a weird report to see that they were going back in so aggressively on Harper after he had already turned down what was a mega deal. They do have $685 million invested into Corbin, Strasburg, and Scherzer over the next set of years. So
0: uh-huh.
2: it'll be interesting to see how it all folds out, but... I don't think I wouldn't bet on Harper returning to the Nationals.
6: Yeah, yeah, I I agree because I think that I mean Mike Rizzo has been known for you know giving out big contracts, but it's mostly to pitchers. And I I just think he's done in Washington. I think he's moved on. I think that that this is part of the part of his past. And I think the Nats. I think if I were the Nats, I I'd be more concerned about Anthony Rendon. You know, I mean he's a really really good third baseman. So, um, what do you, what do you, do you think that the Nats should Consider signing, re-signing Rendon, and you're worrying about Soto down the line. Uh,
0: I say, I say yes. The, I think the Nationals and Bryce Harper are a thing of the past. I think they settled on, on Corbin. They'll look into Bryce Harper again, but ultimately he will pass. Um, like you said, Rendon, Soto, players like that—they do have to look for the future. So we want to thank you, Luke, so much for calling. Uh, thanks uh, for a great show. Thank you for having thinking, me course and uh, that's it for us on the second episode of fancast thank you very much for listening
1: cast is produced by benson vector fancast is a baseball podcast network production be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram, Koi, Coy, at Koi's Dimal, that's Z-D-I-M-A-L, and Isaac at Philly's Focus, with a P-H. Be sure to give the FanCast account a follow on Instagram as well, at FanCastBPM. For more FanCast content, be sure to head over to our website, at BaseballPodcastNet.com, and be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all those social media platforms. Instagram, at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to FanCast. We'll see you next time.